Hello, I'm Peter Ayers, and you're listening to Stages, the podcast that converses... The reality of that eight-show-a-week slog is really hard. When I start on a character, I have to draw them, and I'm, I'm not an artist. This is an effect built in myth and mystery. So you'd be sitting in this tiny little bio box with radiators all around you. Which was a funny thing because I don't think that play would have happened in that way if it wasn't at Griffin. You're a bit different to the other girls in this area. Yes, I thought, yes, I am. That was the days when they could smell an actor or a singer and think, oh, I've got six weeks. My sisters really taught me that, that I had to be versatile. This ostrich, pink ostrich feather sticking up out of my hair, out of this wig. My first career, as it were, was preparation for my second career. And her face was beaming. It was just beaming at me. I hadn't lost any of my passion or love for it, so it's been a joy to talk to you. Thank you very much. Bernadette Robinson's acclaimed performances in multiple sellout seasons of the one-woman musical plays Songs for Nobodies and Pennsylvania Avenue have confirmed her standing as one of Australia's leading singer-actresses. Bernadette studied voice with the legendary Dame Joan Hammond at the Victorian College of the Arts before embarking on her professional career in productions of The Pirates of Penzance, Nine, The Venetian Twins and Cats. Bernadette presented her earlier solo shows, You Might As Well Live, Calling All Angels and Patsy Cline, her songs, her story, around Australia to critical and audience acclaim. Following the success of her previous sold-out one-woman shows, Bernadette Robinson is returning to Australian stages with the world premiere of her post-pandemic solo tour de force, Divas. It was stages' great pleasure to catch up with this consummate artist following a week of rehearsals, nearing her to opening night. Bernadette Robinson, hello. Straight from rehearsals, uh, where you're preparing your new show, Divas. Exactly true. Yes, just zoomed here to zoom. <laughs> you, you, you're playing 10 divas or, or you inhabit 10 divas throughout the show. Does that make you 10 times as exhausted? I think it does. Yes, I'm absolutely exhausted. It's it's so much work. I think there are 30-something songs. Um, there's a lot of dialogue, a lot of movement, a lot of going in and out of the characters because I speak as the singers as well as sing their songs. Very busy. Lots. The, the, the physical investment as, as well as that emotional investment for, for the journey that you trek with, with each of those women. Absolutely, because this, the the idea is the that all excerpts of their actual interviews of these women um, fashioned into sort of a narrative and, and a lot of it's about being a performer and the relationship of the voice to the person and how intrinsic that is to the being of an artist and the value that one plays on oneself. Yeah. Right. So, so the text is a lot of, um, I guess, verbatim, is it, from, from, from the interviews, as you say? Yes, it is. It is. We've just taken bits that seem appropriate or will fit with the songs and the whole. So there's some shape to it. Yes. And, and then sometimes, they, well, Simon Phillips is directing it and he's, the, he's great finding the right he's so loves text and, and in the songs too and so he's worked out ways of weaving interweaving the songs and the text to make it a, a real little story you know 
Yes, mm. of course, there's your great vocal virtuosity, but it's nice to have that text as as a glue um, between each each woman, um, and I guess to allow you um, a transition to be able to to um, take off one and and wear the other, wear the next. That's right. Not that I ever take off any costume because I always only ever have the one costume in any perform, you know, one woman show that I do. But yes, it's really um, moving. Yeah, I'm moving. So there, it's there because there are ten. It's just such an enormous mountain I've got to climb. That sometimes it's just when I finish a song and there's a little clue because I've got an introduction into a different woman altogether and think, oh, that's right. I'm no longer Marley Cyrus. I'm now Barbara Streisand, and so off I go. <laughs> you know, it's pretty busy. But but you're no stranger to to this type of show. I mean, you have um, figuratively run this this Olympic marathon several times before, haven't you? I have, but I've never had I've never performed ten different women and ten such diverse. I mean, I mean, certainly in songs for nobody. Even Pennsylvania Avenue, there were so many different singers. But there was there were plays uh, Joanna Murray Smith wrote for me, but. So they were mainly tech. The songs were almost um, like Songs for Nobodies only had nine songs in it we worked out. So this is more than, oh, well, it's 30-something songs. So it's a lot more. And there were five singers in that show. There are ten in this show. And it's about an hour and 45 minutes. So it's quite a long show, too, without a break, much so, longer so than the others. Your repertoire is what two or three songs for each of your your new divas. Yeah, yeah. Um, how do you prepare for a, a show such as this? <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, to, to get your your head straight, and then at the end of the night, how do you divest yourself of of the characters that you've just inhabited? I I listened, you know, uh, well, some of these singers I'm so familiar with already, like Edith Piaf, Judy Garland. Uh, Streisand um, and Maria Callas. I'm seeing some opera in it. So those women I'm pretty familiar with, but there are lots of new people that have in the show that I, and especially the speaking voices too, that I have to really listen to and work on. So people like Amy Winehouse and Dolly Parton and um, Shirley Bassey and Karen Carpenter, Kate Bush. These people are new to me really um and they're quite so diverse in their styles that's really i mean i the leaps vocally are quite um demanding yeah at least with songs with nobodies um you were singing those great performers but the, the dialogue the text was um original women new new characters wasn't it so you you could um manufacture I, their own voice I mean, exactly Exactly. I said, I mean, I, I I don't know why I even thought this was a great idea, actually, because it's just so demanding. It's so, because because the verbatim, the, the excerpts that we've taken, the way people speak is nothing like the way written plays. You know what I mean? There's a, so it's, it's all, it's just, you know, with the you knows and the likes or the rhythms that the different patterns of speech that everyone has, that these women have, it's really hard to capture some of those likes or this or that or even mistakes. 
Um, so you're effectively um, finding their voice print, aren't you? That's right. That's what I'm trying to do. And that's what we try to do. And that's particularly what Simon is really interested in doing, trying to get that, just to really um, get the, the tune almost of the way they speak. Yeah. Yeah. The show is called Divas. Um, how do you define a diva? <laughs> Um, well, it, I think it has, I mean, a diva is to me, but a, traditionally a, a diva is an operatic star, singing star. But of course, it's become now a great singing star, I suppose. But it also has the negative connotation of being quite a, what a diva, <laughs> uh, carrying on and over the top and precious. So um, there's that. But I don't know if we, we, we well, we don't really try to present them in a negative way. It's more about their insecurities and anxieties that we bring to the fore in this yeah. because that's what performance can be so rewarding and exciting and terrifying and excruciating. And, and, and uh, there, if the voice isn't, if you can't rely on your voice as a singer, it's, just like, who are you? It's about that, about what am I if I don't have this, you know? And a lot of the singers talk about that, their relationship with their voice and to the audience. Because, for instance, Shirley Bassey lost her voice when her daughter was found dead, and that was a psychological. She just held the voice and she just lost it because she was so grieving so much and it and took six months to come back. But there was nothing physically wrong with it. So it's so... The voice is so emotionally entrenched and intrinsically part of a person that that's something we talked about. And Miley Cyrus, who, you know, was a singing star with Hannah Montana when she was 12 and been singing right through, she, you know, smoking and talking and staying up late and she got a terrible um, condition where she had to have an operation and that affected her voice. And she was lucky that she could sing again or learn to sing again, but... So it's things like that that, and performing. I, Barbara Streisand just couldn't had stage fright, so she couldn't perform for years with that. And other singers wanted to sing if they, like Judy Garland, and Amy Winehouse, both claimed that they only felt really at peace or at their happiest when they were on stage. So, and it's all about that, really. Yeah, fascinating insights. Um, great artistry by necessity, I think, brings along uh, a great ego. Um, but the ego can be very healthy as as well as negative. But but it's a necessary armour, isn't it? And and a belief in oneself. Absolutely. And there's a real gorgeous speech that we found that, uh, or speech, I mean, it's not just her talking. Bryson talks about that, about the confidence and the insecurity and saying they, they work hand in hand both there all the time you've got to have the confidence to believe in yourself kate bush talks about it too um but there's also the doubt and you you have to just pretend it's all about showbiz you know you've got to yeah. fake that yeah it's a psychological game isn't it i mean how artists go out there eight times yeah. a week and 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 face that uh, that audience that big black monster yeah yes and you want to win them over so much. It yeah. means everything. Uh, the voice is, of course, your precious instrument. How, how do you care for the voice? How do you look after yourself? 
Um, you know, I, I'm really, I'm touching wood here, sitting on this piano stool. <laughs> I am really lucky because I, I think I've got a naturally good technique. I've got an, a very broad range. I mean, it's quite, and I also studied opera and classical singing with Dame Joan Hammond here at the Victorian College of the Arts. So that allowed for me to at least have some sort of technique with the operatic style. Um, with the rest, I don't know. I just seem to have a good idea of where to place my voice when I'm trying to find a certain singer. And I manage to do that without putting it into too much at risk, really. Um, but I don't do any. Uh, I think, you know, I sing every day. I don't do scales or anything like that, but I just naturally sing every day without thinking about it. That's just like part of me and always has been ever since I was a baby. So I think that is part of it, just keeping rolling it along. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's probably best, if it's working, it's probably best not to analyse it. <laughs> exactly. Going. <laughs> But people often ask me that. I don't really have a special technique. I, I, I have good technique. I don't have a routine. I think that's the thing. Um, it is a fascinating instrument that, that you can fine tune and manipulate it ever so uh, slightly to, to create these different sounds. Um, you, mm. Obviously, mimicry was a great um, gift of yours from a young age, was it? Mm. Well, I mean, you know, people say mimicry, I suppose it was. It wasn't a deliberate thing at all when I was starting out as a child. I just listened and this, I, I really think I got all that training without even knowing it when I was a child because I loved women's voices, all of them, you know, and I would sit and listen to whatever my parents had in the, I mean, of course we'd go and see, we went Mary Poppins and Funny Girl and so I'd sit and listen for hours and hours to Julie Andrews and Barbara Streisand and Judy Garland we had and but also you know my mother loved Patsy Cline so I'd listen to her dad loved Nana Muscuri I'd listen to her everybody so I think I just picked it up you know eventually from listening and listening and I just had a good ear and just had the, the certain way of just I didn't analyze it I think as I've got older, I've sort of worked out a bit more about what I am doing or what I need to do to get a particular sound. But um, I just have that facility. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> a, a good ear, which is part of good musicianship. Absolutely. And I have, I'd like to think I have a good voice in its own right because it has to be to be able to do all the things that I can do, you know. Have you sung publicly as Bernadette Robinson? I have. I have. And I do a lot of, I mix it up, actually, because, I, you know, it's like the, the hit single. I've always got to put in a bit of some of Edith Piaf or some of, you know, Judy Garland or some of something. And I often do that. But I also sneak a few Bernard, Bernadette Robinson songs in there. Too. I mean, you know, I actually have written stuff, but I've also seen other songs in my own voice, particularly if they're not well known as women singers, you know, so I can get away with it because they're not going to identify that singer or think I'm vaguely that singer. So I, I yeah, no, I love singing in my own voice too. But I'm very happy to do this because I think it's a particular, it's just sort of my uh, metier, I suppose. And so 
it's it's become something that people really love because I, I'm not I I don't I, I don't like mimicry I don't like that word because I always feel it's just a bit shallow and because I feel like I'm singing really singing and giving the emotion and depth of um, whatever that singer is I mean it's really is me it's just that I have vaguely have a certain quality that they have that I've latched on to and recreated I suppose. Yeah, you're a conduit for for their their spirit in some way, aren't you? Exactly. I listen to a lot of classical music these days, which is sort of, um, you know, it's funny because when I trained at the College of the Arts with the opera singing, um, before that I never listened to any opera or, or any of that stuff, and and I do go in and out of. Of, I love every sort, but I guess I'd probably listen to that more classical singing. But um, not lately. <laughs> I mean, Miley Cyrus and Amy Winehouse. I'm listening. I, I do love all, all sorts of people, you know. I thought she was amazing I, because I did Dolly, Dolly Parton's in the show um, and we, you know, she's uh, Miley Cyrus's godmother. It just We just thought that was a nice thing to have dolly then go into miley and have that little connection because they do wrecking ball together so dolly does a little bit and then miley takes over and it's all about miley and her throat you know her the disease or condition she had and her doing drugs and then getting clean and and it, it's just it's just sort of great because the main thing is that we just want to make it as diverse as we can with as many different song styles. So she does the big sort of rock stuff. We've got Dolly doing the country. We've got Edith Piaf doing the beautiful chanteuse. We've got the opera. We've got Tyson singing Being Alive, Sondheim. We've got Bassie doing Diamonds. We've got, you know, Amy singing Back to Black. So it's just like Kate Bush singing Wow and Wuthering Heights and Karen Carpenter, the Carpenters. I mean, because we've got a great, really great band as well, and they're really good singers. So there's a lot of gorgeous backing vocals going on throughout it too. As part of your preparation, mm. do do you watch endless videos and listen to endless recordings of these artists? Yep, absolutely, I do. I mean, certainly, certainly with the new ones, certainly with the maybe five of the ones that I haven't really worked on before. I've really listened a lot and watched them a lot just to just to try to capture something of the way they speak and the sound of their speaking voice and how they perform. Have you, have you found yeah. yourself during the day having any residue of the characters? You know, you're at the checkout and suddenly you uh, <laughs> you make a sound like Dolly or, or Barbara. <laughs> probably. I probably do. I'm sure I yeah, I mean, not deliberately, but I'd be I'd certainly be wandering around the supermarket singing a bit of one of the women for sure. I'm doing it all the time. <laughs> I think most actors do during the day. There's some sort of residue yeah. of the ca character they're playing at the time. Yeah, carried around with you. In my research, Bernadette, I came across a wonderful quote from the, the, the great lyricist Don Black, who said about you, I'm still reeling from her landmark yeah. performance. I haven't seen been so impressed since I saw Sammy Davis Jr. She doesn't sing songs, she lives them. That's pretty special. Love, oh, so special. Well, you know that I did songs for nobodies on the West End. Um, I don't know if you know that. Yeah. Yes, indeed. And it was like everybody 
came and they all came backstage to see me, to say hello. And I didn't know who he even was. Don't tell us <laughs> at the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, my God. He just, he was such a fan. Uh, I mean, he, he's enormously, he's a huge star. He invited me for afternoon tea to his house just to probably show me all his amazing awards. And he's, he's yeah, a big fan, which was lovely. But, you know, Emma Thompson came back and took me out to supper and they, uh, Helen and Bottom Carter, all these people just, oh, my God, you know. And they didn't know I'm not famous here. <laughs> just, I just said, well. I'm not. But, you know, it was great because they were really moved. I mean, I really got enormous support from so many great stars. Derek well, Jacobi. Mm. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Derek Jacobi, great. Um, I, I guess Same there's n- nobody else in the, in the world that I can think of that, that does what you do. That's what I think. I, that's what they're saying too. And I think it's, you know, well, Emma Thompson was, your skill set is unbelievable. You know, I was so excited. So I think it is something that, and that's particularly why I did want to, I, I'm, well, even going back as far as Songs for Nobody's, I really wanted to put Maria Callas in there because I thought someone might be able to do some of those other voices, but I don't think I know opera and those other singers like Patsy Klein and, you know, Judy Garland and the PF. I don't think that breadth of style will be captured. I don't know who can who anyone that can do that. And I'm hoping that that's the same with these 10. <laughs> um, have you ever had your vocal cords analysed? Um, yes. Uh, yeah. And, well, and what if people, well, analyse is perhaps the wrong word, but, but had them photographed or looked at to see if they differ in oh. any way from anyone else? Well, they're not. I've had them because, I, you know, if I have laryngitis or I have a sore throat or whatever, I've had an ear, nose and throat specialist for many, many years and he, what's a horrible, have you ever had it done? I mean, when they put that thing. No, no. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, it's got a camera on the end so he can see them. And, um, yeah, they're just, I don't think they're anything, I mean, they're just two thin white cords and they're together, you see that. There, but there's nothing at all that would make it, it must be so many minor things. I've heard that it's the headspace too, the sort of areas as well. In the I don't know. <laughs> I know a lot of people have asked. Can I, I'd love to have a look inside and what what makes yours different from anyone else. But I, they're not. I don't think essentially anything different from. Anyone. Growing up, um, was it a musical household? We, uh, you're one of seven, aren't you? So was the, there a yeah. lot of p- performing happening in the house? No. Um, well, actually, no one was musical except for me in the whole house. But we did put on plays and things. And, we, you know, we liked performing just for the family, you know, the, our parents. We put on a lot of little shows that we've written t- together. And, and I guess, no, I, my, like my youngest, my older sister, was interested in ballet for a few years but didn't pursue it. My mother could sing but not, not. I mean, just had a lovely voice but nothing else. But my father's mother was a semi-professional opera singer and I think it came second generation it left. Like, in fact, my mother's mother was also a very good pianist by ear. So they were, but no one in my actual family were, was musical at all. No. 
But we all loved, as far as we loved shows, we loved music, but we, they weren't musical themselves. I'm sure there was a um, an LP collection next to the turntable. Um, w- were there a lot yes. of sh- shows there? And who, who were the artists that you were listening to growing up or, or that your parents were listening to and perhaps through osmosis yeah. you were consuming? It was absolutely that. Um, my well, we did. We we did go to shows. We always went to the shows. So we had everything from My Fair Lady, Man of Mantra, West Side Story, um, Funny Girl. You know the usual ones, Mary Poppins and Sound of Music. Um, so we had quite a few shows. Dad had a bit of Maria Callas. He had a bit of an opera collection, not much. I mean, I don't think he listened to it much either. My mother loved. Patsy Klein. She loved country singers. Um, and who else? She liked Julie London. So she liked that sort of smoky kind of jazz stuff. We had a lot. We did have a lot of different stuff. Uh, music education at, at high school, what, what did that consist of? Did you learn to play an instrument there? Was there anything? Or were you in the school productions, perhaps? Well, I was in Oliver. Um when I was in primary school, but only as one of the boys. I did audition for little Oliver, but I didn't get the role. But uh, we know that's that was nepotism because the older sister got her sis- younger sister to play Oliver. Well, that's an old story. But I did win the school talent quest, and it was at Kilbreeder in Mentone, so which was a big school, Catholic girls' school. And I was in the primary school, and I won the whole. So that was, I still have the gold, eight gold chamber. I won for that. But no, I didn't play an instrument, no. I think I was just, just wanted to sing. Were there any uh, choir opportunities at school? There was a bit of choir. I did a bit of choir, yeah, but I always wanted to be the only, I like to be on, be the star or the, the lone one, you know. So I enjoy choir, but... Um, I really think I just preferred sing songs on my own. Yeah. This show, Divas, is really close to my heart. It's all about self-doubt and confidence and wanting to perform but being terrified about, about performing. It's that constant fight. Yeah, and I have, I've had that all my life, you know. Yes. Why do we continue doing it? But 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 you do it because it, it feeds some part of your soul, doesn't it? I must at the moment. I'm in the midst of rehearsal, so I'm still at that stage where it was. Why am I doing this to myself? But <laughs> I'm hoping that by the opening night, I won't be. Afterwards, I'll be thinking that's why. But you know, I'm still at that very scared stage where I've got so much to really learn, and I mean, a lot of words. A lot of pages of songs and words and moves and everything. Yeah, that's a bit scary still. Were you harbouring, <laughs> a, de- harbouring a desire growing up to, to be a performer? Because I, I learned that you um, you started your professional career as a nurse. That's right, I did. Um, so it just wasn't in our family. My father was a doctor, my mother was a nurse, um, my brother and the others are in health or as a teacher as well. So sort of normal jobs. And uh, it just didn't, even though I didn't believe the same old thing, it wouldn't have occurred to me to audition for NIDA or something like that. So, yeah, I started nursing 
But um, little by little, I started performing while I was a nurse. And then I auditioned for the College of the Arts. And that's when I became a classical singer and but was started to perform. But then I got into Cats, which was just the most weird thing because I wasn't remotely interested in doing that. It's just that <laughs> I... During one of those summers, you know, Pirates of Penzance was touring every year for about three years and they needed a couple of singers and the college said uh, to to all of them, where there were five singers got in the year I was in, and they said, do you want to audition for that for a summer vacation holiday? What job? Which I did and I got in. And so I did that and then came back to college. But in the while I, I met everybody in the show and they were all auditioning for Cats, and they, for the second year of Cats, this is 87, and I said, what, I can't dance? But I, I auditioned. And I, of course, I can't dance, but I got <laughs> in anyway. On the and my whole life changed after that because I just I moved to Sydney um, I just met a whole different world of people and I started to perform on my own and do all sorts of work that was very different and it took me away from classical stuff really. Got into yeah. shows and doing my one woman which started. Yeah. yeah uh, um, so the that musical, was just... The musical Nine you also did and the Venetian Twins and I... the Australian musical? Yeah. Oh, Asian Twins was great fun. Yeah, now that was great because there was a place in you're, you're from Sydney. I'm not, not even. Oh yes, I'm, I'm in Sydney. The, yeah, yeah, the Tilbury Hotel. I don't know if you know about that. Absolutely. But yeah, institution. That's where. I, yeah, absolutely. And I did so much there, so many shows there, and saw so many shows there. And Nick Enright, who wrote the Venetian Twins, saw me. Said to John Bell, "We have to have Bernadette." Play was in the show. <laughs> be, be, Beatrice. Um, of course, yes, the operatic one, yeah. And um, so that, I, I just got into that because Nick Enright wanted me to and um, it was great. Yeah, that was a great show. I loved yeah. doing that. And yeah, then Rodney Fisher, yeah, 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 um, got me to do um, You Might As Well Live with the One Woman Show. And then I did, I did do some opera. I mean, I, I moved around all over the place with different work. Before we leave too much of VCA behind, um, can you tell me about jo- Deidre and Hammond and, and what she was like as, as a teacher and a person? Oh, she was a magnificent person and she uh, she was everything of an old-fashioned dame that you would expect. I mean, she was pretty old. She was sort of in her 70s she would have had to have been, uh, I suppose. And um, she was, you know... She was just a one. She was a wonderful. She she did teach me about. I suppose she taught me, gave me some technique about um, getting having a line with singing. You know, when you with classical singing, you've just got to get that sort of lovely line and not scoop and not take breaks in your voice. Um, she just took it higher and higher. I was singing ease above top C, and. Um, that's actually what the reason I got the Venetian twins because I could do all that stuff. Um, oh, I don't know. She'd walk around. She was just like an old-fashioned dame, elegant, beautiful in her way, and um, charming, and would always have some marvelous stories to tell. Her times. Yeah, yeah. I, I was reading up on her the other day, and she started life as a terrific golfer. Yes, she look. She was an amazing woman. 
a terrific golfer, um, violinist. Then she had the accident at which so her arm, she couldn't play violin anymore. Um, and then singing. So she's, she, and she could sail. So she was an excellent yachtswoman. She could do everything, really. Yeah. And her language, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Very clever. <laughs> but good um, fun. Yeah. 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 Great dame. Great dame. Uh, Bernadette, are you superstitious in the theatre? I mean, when it comes to opening night um, in Brisbane on July 20, <laughs> um, is there anything that you, a ritual that you'll go through or, or, or um, some something you'll honour? No, not superstitious, just nervous wreck trying to get all the words learnt. So I, I tend to pace. I'm a pacer. So I don't think I'll be, I, it's not like, oh, I must do, a certain cross or wear this or hold that or anything. No, just focus, focus, get it in there and go over and over and over it. And I do that every night because I, you know, it, I, I'm on for an hour 45 and no break and it's just me. So I just can't afford to, you know, lose concentration. So I just have to focus like mad. And that's why I need to be really 150,000 million percent ready by going over everything. Yeah. So no special magical ones. Do you read reviews? Are you somebody who reads reviews? Uh, you know, I used to, but then I look. Usually they're really good, but if there's one that's just got a little bit of a negative thing, of course, as you know, everybody just focuses on that one. Um, so what happens is, no, I don't, and then people will say, did you see this one? And they'll be careful enough never to show me anything awful. <laughs> I haven't had too many of those. <laughs> Great. No, I mean, I, the I... ones I got were amazing, so that was, you know. But, no, I don't seek them out. No. Well, you just need to remember that one that, 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 that Don Black uh, wrote to you. Yeah. Mentioned, yeah. 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 <laughs> Bernadette, thank you. Sorry, Barry Humphreys? He, no, he was also an incredible supporter of mine, so he was very generous with me too. Oh, great. Right. So yeah. there you go. Fans everywhere, <laughs> all around the world. <laughs> Bernadette, thank you for taking um, some time out of your busy, busy schedule at the moment. It's been lovely to catch up with you and hear all about Divas, which uh, <laughs> opens uh, in Brisbane on July 20 and then plays um, the Sydney Opera House in August and then the Fairfax studio um, at the end of August in Melbourne. How exciting. Yes, I know. <laughs> well, well, Chookers, to you and, and the 10 women who will be joining you in the show, um, I'm sure it's going to be another uh, sensational Bernadette Robinson tour de force. Oh, thank you. I hope so. Lovely right. to talk to you. Following the success of her previous sold-out one-woman shows, Pennsylvania Avenue, The Show Goes On and Songs for Nobodies, Bernadette Robinson is returning to Australian stages with the world premiere of her post-pandemic solo tour de force, Divas. Divas will open at QPAC, Brisbane, on 20th of July, then travel to Sydney Opera House, opening 3rd of August, then to the Fairfax Studio um, in Melbourne from 24th of August, 2023. Divas is directed and co-devised by the multi-award winning Simon Phillips. And this time around, it's all about the songs. Thanks for joining us in this episode and thank you, Bernadette Chookers, for the tour. I'm Peter Eyes. Keep well, 
keep warm, stay safe, and I'll catch you next time on Stages. Oh,